Welcome back to the Speaking of Startups podcast. Today we're welcoming Joel from Linksy into our newfound home studio at a great little location, kind of becoming the hub of entrepreneurship here in Charlotte. So it's great to welcome a entrepreneur to the studio. So Joel, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, William. As you know, we like to get started off with a little bit of the founder. We'll uh, pivot a portion of the way into the podcast, and we'll talk a little bit about you know the, the company and what you're doing and everything else. Um, but give everybody kind of a 30, 60-second elevator pitch on Joel. Yeah. I've, I grew up in Ohio, moved to Charlotte like 15 years ago to start my business career. Is there a, is there a direct train from Ohio to Charlotte? <laughs> it seems like it, doesn't it? There, the route is pretty fluid. I'll <laughs> say that. Definitely. Yeah. Moved down here right after college, motivated to uh, start my first company with a unique opportunity that I got. And uh, I've been here 16 years, which was not really the, the plan to start, but love Charlotte so much. And and now on my fifth company, it's it's been quite the journey, and I'm super excited for what we are building right now with Linksy. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've got a cool, unique background, right? I mean, as you said, kind of fifth company, you've been involved with entrepreneurship for, for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So what is it about entrepreneurship that grabbed you from a young age? Yeah. Gosh, when I was like 15 years old, you know, I started my own lawn care business, and that was like my first business of... You know, I grew up with a ton of discipline and responsibility and hard work, which is one thing my dad really, you know, instilled in all of us. And having the ability, seeing him work for an employer for so long really motivated me to want to become my own business owner. And uh, I got into college and had the opportunity to learn how to start my own company through a program, Young Entrepreneurs Across America. And it really lit up my world, you know, all the skills that I learned from, you know, sports and lead leadership in sports, carrying that into business and building teams and, and leading teams. And it, you know, it really inspired me from about the age of 21 to want to be an entrepreneur and solve problems and build teams and lead teams effectively. How active were you in sports as a kid? Oh, sports was everything. Most people actually, as much as I've been an entrepreneur for 15, 16 years, more, more people know me as a, as an athlete. Uh, I grew up as like a three sport athlete, played baseball in college and still play competitive basketball, which I call competitive at my age. And yeah, it's, it's motivated me to like how to, how to keep my body in shape to stay an athlete. Cause it's besides the entrepreneur bug that I got, like sports and playing sports is really my passion. Yeah. What some we hear like we had as our as you know our last guest was Chance. Chance was basketball player at Radford. You played basketball. You played baseball in college. Yes, and I played a lot of basketball with Chance actually. So yeah. we'll put you on the spot really quick. Who's better? Ooh, today probably me. <laughs> Who hit the highest peak? I would think he did for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's the and I think it's discipline, right? But. Sports in college, what is it about sports in college that translates so well into the entrepreneurship world? Yeah, having something you're striving for, you're passionate about, having the hard work and discipline that is instilled through sports, as well as the leadership. To me, like of all the things that I gained through sports had to be leadership, confidence, work ethic, discipline. You know, and all those carry over into entrepreneurship and, and building a company and a team, you know, very fluidly. So 
four years of baseball in college? Four years of baseball, yep. Okay. Undergrad, what was the what was the study? What you what you major in? I was not necessarily a school person. I was kind of like your B student, get by. And I went to college and I didn't know what to do. I was really good at math and, and science. Yeah. And I went to college as a math major. And after a year, I was like, after calculus one and two and chaos and fractals and some excelled physics classes, I was like, what am I doing with this? Like, yes, this is fascinating and interesting, but what am I doing with this? Yeah. And that's where I got involved in this entrepreneur program. Okay. And I got this like business entrepreneur bug and I, and I transitioned to the business school and studied everything business, but still the experience, even though I went to a really good university, Wittenberg University, shout out. Um, you know, it's a good private school up in Ohio. The The experience that I got from running a business for two and a half years in college was really the ultimate business learnings that I took away from university. Yeah, so not difficult enough to play baseball in college. You started a business in college as well? Yeah, and it wasn't, my coach, I got a pretty good scholarship, but I was still like paying my way through school. And my parents were like, man, you, you know, you decided to go to a pretty expensive school, even though you got a scholarship. And <clears throat> my parents were like, you need to make some money while you're here. You know, I had self-funded my own university wages and and you know my my jobs at that point I was making like ten dollars an hour for all the jobs that I was picking up and then all of a sudden my parents are like how you know you're going to come out of college with some debt even though you've got these scholarships and these grants and I came back my sophomore year and started looking for internships like man I've really got to get experience and understand where I'm going with my life and through this business experience, you know, my first summer I made $12,000 running my business. And I was like, holy cow, that's like four times as much as I made last, last summer. And I like led employees and built this team and this company. And it like, it changed everything. And the next summer I came back and made more money. And then I started training college students to run their own business, um, more for the experience. And, you know, that's, that's really where it like triggered a lot for me, the financials of it and seeing like, man, if you can really like build something and provide jobs and learn how to earn a profit, you know, it really captured me. And that's, you know, I got out of college and read like every business book I could possibly read. I started getting into personal development and really in my twenties is just where like learning business, you know, just really, really captured me. Yeah. It's interesting. I've never really dove into this. So we're going to kind of tinker around with this concept, but you're running a business in school. You make $12,000 over the course of the summer, which is great as a college kid, right? <clears throat> you learn all kinds of things, real world practicality applications of running a business. Yep. And, and then you go back to school and you dive into textbook application of running a business mm. at that age. Was it a letdown? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> It was, you know, you're, you're building this company, you're hiring your friends, you're, you're, you're on the bus home from a baseball game, taking calls from customers and your friends are like, dude, can you hire me? Like, can you give me a job? And you know, you're like, you're doing these creative deals with your friends, you know, working for 10 to $15 an hour for your business, getting experience. And then you're like, man, how do I lead these guys effectively? I've got to know contracts now and all these things that I'm sitting in a marketing class and, and an accounting class, you know, which you know, some of those financial classes are important in college, but learning management and leadership, you can't, you can't learn that from reading a book and textbook and talking to a professor. But what you can really learn is doing it from experience and failing. And the amount of failures I had through that first summer and that second summer is really the experiences and the learning that I took away from university. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you, 
you finished school despite the letdown of going to class while running a business, right? Yep. yep. And did you pursue baseball at all? Do we do we go in and we play single A or double A or what do we do with baseball post school? Uh, it's it's definitely something that I still think about. My coach is like, "Hey man, you actually got these like unique skills that could translate well and go further." And I had my cousin you know, in the in the minors for a couple of years and watching him what he went through to make like little to no money in the grind. And, you know, I went to like a showcase my senior year and it was like the people that wanted it, you know, to be really frank, I was like going up against like 80 percent of the people there were like Dominicans or people that wanted to get like their green card and they were hungry. And I was just like, man, this is like kind of intense. Do I want to do I want to like push myself through the minors to try to make it to the majors. Is that even like achievable? And I had this like entrepreneur bug and I really was just like, man, I think I'm done with baseball. And I I went all in on business and I passed up some jobs that I got out of college and moved to the Carolinas to start a business. But I've always thought about it. Like I always had this like unique talent as an athlete. My grandpa was a great athlete and I always look back and like, I wonder why I didn't kind of try. Obviously I had the entrepreneur bug, but I kind of had this like, belief now at least now i have this belief of like why was i never motivated to like go all in on that sport to see what i could do after college not not that it's a regret because i love where i'm at i love everything that we're building but it has always been something it's just like man when i was 22 why didn't i like really at least give it one year maybe yeah it's funny we're we're always better in our head looking backwards right like uh, 22 man that was amazing yeah exactly um And I grew up like, you know, I got a lot of things from my parents and my father. Um, But one thing I never learned, and which is kind of why, uh, you know, I ended up writing a book. I got into like mental frameworks and mental models and like uh, human performance and optimal performance. And once I started instilling those into my life, I realized like, oh, my gosh, like I'm uncovering all these potentials and talent or skills that I can like unlock. And that's where it really, really started to, I think. I started to think about the different things in my life that, man, I could have done better or I could have, you know, had a better approach to things and had a better outcome or a better performance. And that's just one thing I've always thought of with baseball. You know, who knows if I would have ever made it past even, you know, the Pioneer League yeah. which, to even get to single A. And so it's but it's always been a thought of mine because I love sports so much, playing sports more than watching sports. But um, it's yeah. So you come out of school. Baseball is not the chosen path, right? Entrepreneurship is the chosen path, which is a a great lifelong opportunity, whereas baseball is going to be a limited opportunity, right? Yep. And what's what do we tackle? What do you what do you what's the first thing on like what what do you do coming out of school? Yeah, I, I took an extra few months over the summer to really like interview with as many companies as I can, and I I looked at medical sales. I was offered several jobs in like sales leadership, sales consulting, different sales jobs. And this program that I worked with in college, Young Entrepreneurs Across America, was such an impactful company for me because you're with a bunch of other young, hungry students that want to learn how to run a business in college. And the ones that succeed, you go on this yearly trip. And so I get out of college and they offer me a full-time position to move to one of their territories that they want to expand to as like a new franchise territory. And one of those territories was the Carolinas. And... For me, living in Ohio, I wanted to like kind of escape and like explore the world and and move to a little bit warmer weather and experience some different lifestyles. And growing up one of eight kids in a big family, we didn't take a, a ton of 
vacations and get away as much as we should. So I had this bug to get away and explore and adventure. And, and it brought me to the Carolinas and I did a tour of the Carolinas. I went to seven different cities and I had such fun in Charlotte that I skipped my last city and came back to Charlotte for two days on that road trip. And I was like, I'm moving to Charlotte and I'm going to start this new division of young entrepreneurs across America. And I called the owner and I'm like, I'm in, let's go. And so I moved here and from, from scratch, I, I built a new division and I started working with universities. My first two universities that I worked with were UNC Chapel Hill and UNC or USC, excuse me, in South Carolina, the Darla Moore, Darla Moore School of Business. And they gave me an opportunity to work with a few students to see what my ability was to train college students how to run their own business, which some universities were like, who the heck are you? Some 23 year olds, you're going to train our students how to run a business. And, and obviously I had the, the whole company and the program behind me to support, you know, my training mechanisms and my training performance. And yeah, I started the first year and our goal was to run a $500,000 business. And we did 380,000 in the first year. So we didn't hit our mark and we came back. And by the time I left, we did, you know, $3 million in revenue. And, and all that revenue was from college students running businesses. So really it was this student did 80,000, this student did 120,000, this student did 50,000. And all the students, you know, from that seven years of building, you know, you know, building the division of the Carolinas and a little bit Virginia and Atlanta or Georgia, you know, we worked with 12 different universities. By the time I left, there was like 12 universities that were opening the door of their business school or their career center saying, can you train like the right type of students at our university that want to learn how to run a business? And so it was so rewarding and such a great way to like start a career is like, if you have to teach something, you really have to know it. Yeah. And coming out of college, I thought I knew it because I ran this business in college, but it was like a, you know, we're talking like an $80,000, $100,000 business and then learning to teach that. And, you know, I was really motivated to, that's where I got into deep studies of business to read every business book I could, personal development. Holy cow. Now I've got to start training these young people how to, you know, instill the right habits and develop the right mindset. And so that was like my first seven years out of college and is, is really growing that program, even though I started getting involved in some other consulting programs and, yeah. and helping other companies with consulting. I really cut my teeth in this, you know, coaching young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs dealing with the kids that want to be entrepreneurs, but don't really want to put in the work is my term for entrepreneurs and, and learning how to hire the right talent and, and look for those type of hungry, but also inspired young people that are willing to put in the work was a really interesting way to start the career for sure that'd be like a neat full circle moment too right because you know you were in school you had your business you were going to classes you know again we go back to kind of sort of a letdown on the textbook side of application of business work but then you're back in the schools helping those entrepreneurs kind of grind through and understand the real life applications of what they're doing and how they build an actual business outside of the textbook, right? So a way for you almost to contribute back to yourself as a college kid, but obviously you're not there anymore, but you're helping other folks have a smoother ride than what you had as a, as, as a college age entrepreneur. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an experience I'll never forget. And, you know, that group, you know, over that seven years, I trained, 
you know, 400 college students to run their own business, 250 of them successfully opened their first company and had a ride of a lifetime. And some of them probably had tears at times and the challenge was real and employees quitting and, and I can't find new employees and customers really mad at me, Joel, like, can you help me with this situation? But the experience that all of them leave with is like, oh my gosh, like, I know what it feels like to like run a business now and the challenges. And I have this unique confidence, which is like this pure confidence of, I want to start a business and I know how to do it. I've just got to like take the first step. Like I've got to put an action mm-hmm. and have somewhat of a plan ideally, and then just start and figure it out. Yeah. So you mentioned it a couple of times as we're kind of going back and forth on, you know, young entrepreneurs across America, as well as being in school, probably always in you because you you played baseball, you were into fitness, you were into personal development and everything else. But you, at what point in time did, did you come up or realize that you wanted to write a book? It's, it's, it's kind of funny. I think most people from my high school would be like, why, you know, or at the time they're like, wait, Joel's writing a book. Like Joel was the one that wasn't the one that was inspired to read books in high school. And so just being out of the classroom and applying it really like turned on this curious mind for me. And I I probably became my most curious in my late twenties. And as I was, you know, to, to transition the young entrepreneurs, as I started working with different companies, I built this company, Fortune 5 Consulting, and I was flipping houses as well on the side. And I was like getting my hands into some different things. And I just got really curious about human performance. I was working with some different entrepreneurs and CEOs. And I started like understand that my habits weren't where they needed to be to unlock like certain like biohacking and neurohacking is like the realm that like I stepped into and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I don't know. Like, and I used to think I knew a lot at that age. And then now my number one belief is I don't know more than I do know. Like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And so as I like got to that place, I'm like, man, what don't I know about human performance? And, you know, my athletic career was, you know, starting to hit a certain age when your your body doesn't respond the same. And I'm like, how do I keep this like going as long as possible, as well as coach entrepreneurs, as well as elevate my performance and turn on creativity? Why can't I like create my own products? I'm just like starting businesses that already exist. Like, how can I create products and invent and innovate? And all these things like kind of came to me within like a year or two. And I started studying it deeply and then talking to people about it. And they're like, man, you should really put this on social media. You're not very active on social media. And so I started like studying it and writing. And the big bug that got me is to become really intelligent at these things and to really learn them, you want to write them. And so as I learned from some very smart people that have written books and have elevated their human performance, Becoming a great writer became one of my biggest goals that I, you know, discovered in my life. And I was just like, all right, I'm not a very good writer. I need to become a better writer, if I, especially if I'm going to start posting on social. And as I, as I started writing for, you know, two years and studying like 100 different books on different sciences of, you know, gut health and brain performance and memory and unlocking creative skills and anti-aging and manifestation and authenticity and all the powers that are like superpowers that God gave us that we have the ability to unlock. The more I started learning, the more I started realizing that some of these like very strong wisdoms were like suppressed amongst the lay people. And it really got me curious of like, 
man, what are we eating? Like what, what is in our foods and, and not to go down that road on this, on this podcast, but, you know, looking at the system and looking at what the average person consumes and man, I was drinking alcohol and how that was affecting my gut health, my brain performance, my sleep, my recovery of sports. As I started to change thing, my curiosity just kept on growing and I couldn't stop the interest in uncovering, man, what don't I know? And what have I been, what has really been like not hidden from me or what haven't I found yet? And some of it I believe is hidden from the average person and other things you just have to be curious enough and diligent enough of how to find it. And yeah, over that like five-year period, like two of it was like writing and learning how to write. And then I was just like, man, what if I, people are like, started talking, you should, you should start a podcast or you should put this in some type of content, start a blog or write a book. And I, and I was just like, you know what, what a good challenge. As I was like coaching, I was, I was running my company, fortune five consulting and working with a couple different companies to build teams and help, help scale their companies. I started like 90% of my mornings for like two and a half years straight writing for an hour to an hour and a half. Oh wow! And, and then I like built the framework of a book. So I had all this content. I built the framework of the book and it's kind of like a, a momentum manual is kind of how I look at the book is, is how you piece these inputs together to create the output that you desire. And uh, human performance today still is like my number one most fascinating topic because it's like what you allow yourself to be capable of really exposes you to so many different things. And we only get one life that we know of, and you might as well make the most of it. And so the further I've gone down that path, the more that I've been been able to experience. And so it's like, why stop? Just keep doubling down and uh, maybe a little bit more of an answer than you were looking for with that question. But now now all of a sudden I feel bad about that chocolate uh, ice cream dipped um, from Dairy Queen (laughs) last night. I feel like maybe I should have should have passed on that. But anyways. Um, name of the book was or is is capability fuel. Okay. So So think of human capabilities, the capabilities that we possess, and there's certain capabilities that humans have that we can evolve. And if you learn how to fuel them effectively, you can maximize the trajectory of the evolution of those capabilities. Okay. Assume it's on Amazon or is it on your own website? Amazon Amazon on my website as well. But, um, it still brings you to Amazon. So Amazon's the only place you can really purchase it. Okay, awesome. So go out and buy Capability Fuel and pick up a little bit more knowledge from Joel. So at some point along the way, Joel, helping other people with entrepreneurship, helping other companies with entrepreneurship, building teams, scaling, et cetera, et cetera, starts to run dry, I guess. And you kind of re-enter the, I want to build something, a product or a concept of my own. So at what point in time does Linksy start to creep into the mind and start to take a life of its own? Yeah. It was probably 2017, 18, 19, like the combo of those years, working with these different companies, going to networking events, sending sales teams to large conferences and networking events. I saw like a common theme with all these event softwares is there was a there was a really big gap. Like clearly there's overwhelming number of event softwares out there. Um, you know, you've got the Hoovas of the world, you know, that I've used at all these different conferences that you download the app, you leave the conference and you delete the app and all of them get you to the event and they tell you like which companies are there. 
but there was no like there was no software out there that was like facilitating real-time connections and interactions and especially none of them doing it in a fun safe you know powerful way and so through that time of being at all these conferences i kept downloading these different apps and being like why is there nothing out there and then i'm traveling to all these cities and working in different coffee shops and i'm like i'm sure there's people around me that i could have like great conversations with but i've got no situational awareness i've got no social power like in this setting besides to maybe walk up to somebody and start engaging and then you got this small talk that you got to go through to maybe uncover like a good connection and and so over like 2017 to 20 I really started to like work on this idea as I was like, you know, still writing my book. I released my book in 2021 during the height of the pandemic when people really did need human performance and health metrics and habits. But, you know, right before the pandemic started, I had my first prototype built and we were like testing. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I was like, well, this isn't a really good time to release a real time interactions application for events. So I kind of like put it on the back burner and focused on my other business and released my book and invented this other product, which took me down like a two-year journey of patent, patenting and all of that. But this this product was still like on the back burner. I was working it and I built another prototype and tested it. And people in Charlotte were like, dude, we really want that app. Like, can you, can you build it for like the bar scene and the, 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 coffee shops and co-working and there was like people were giving me different ideas and at one point we even tested like a dating app for bars and I was just like we're not going that route and so I realized quickly what people want the most is they want to find real-time connections at events at networking events like at coffee shops especially in this new like remote world and people are want wanting connection there's like this real thirst for human connection and I've always been a, a huge people person, leading people and, and very close with, you know, I just like really like people yeah. and I'm interested in what people have to offer, their thoughts, their ideas, collaborating with people, partnering with people. I've had like 15 business partners in my life and I was like, why is there no software out there that can connect people at a, a coffee shop? And then you go to an event and you don't delete the app. You keep the app and you use it as you travel to different places, like a universal connection app. And I realized like, man. You know, Pokemon Go and this location-based entertainment, you know, has proved that there's interest in like location-based entertainment. And then you got this software, event software that I feel is like really falling short. If you can kind of combine the two, to me, there's a huge missing opportunity in the marketplace, a huge gap that I continue to look at and study for years on years. And, and then I put my money where my mouth is and literally my money deep into this, this product. And, and yeah, we're really excited to launch in two weeks. So it's, it's very exciting. That's awesome. So give us the elevator pitch on Linksyland, right? Like what's the, what's the crisp version of what, what the product does? Linksy is you Download the app, you you go to locations, whether it's an event, a small networking event, a large conference, coffee shops, and you activate yourself. You check you check into the location, you go live, and there's a real time like platform that you you activate yourself to and the business has the ability to communicate with their customers and create unique experiences. And the users have the ability to connect to other people around them in a a safe, playful way of like 
connecting with interest, connecting through curiosities. And so Linksy's goal is to really like bridge the gap between the digital world that we live in and real time connections that people desire. And, you know, we have this small talk. We, we don't know who is approachable in real time. And Linksy really bridges that gap. It gives the big businesses the ability to create experiences for their customers, and it gives the individuals the ability to go to those locations and create experiences and connections with people that they desire to connect with. Okay, so you're a baseball player, you're a author, you're a coach, and you also code? I do not code. Okay. I have done some Udemy and some other code classes, but I went through an accelerator last year in Austin, Texas, as I was like, had a couple prototypes and, you know, I had some data and I found my first like co-founder-esque tech writer that was also interested in this. And then I got connected to a really good tech advisor who joined the team and then another tech advisor who really liked my idea and what my vision was. And they helped me slightly kind of uncover this co-founder here in Charlotte, tech co-founder. And he helped me with the, you know, the first nine months really like build out the framework, the architecture of the product and understand the project management of developing software and understanding the tech stack that we wanted to facilitate these real time interactions, as well as the future of Linksy, which is has a large location based entertainment and business services platform tied to it. And so through that process over the last year, I've just really learned how to work with and lead the technical build. And now we've got four engineers on the team and yeah, we're really excited. That's awesome. So you've got this idea, you develop it pre-COVID, COVID hits, obviously anything in person starting in March of 2020 really went into shutdown mode. You use that to fine tune the book, launch the book, finish up some other things that you're doing. And then you, you go to your accelerator program in 2023 and that's where you find your your co-founder heads down from what the beginning of 2023 through the end of 2023 when do you launch your beta beta was launched on december 15th 2023 okay so most of 2023 was spent developing the product what was the beta like how what was what y'all learn through that process of the beta launch right what was the the feedback and everything else that has enhanced and improved the product to continue to march forward. Yeah, uh, I learned what bugs were, and <laughs> we uh, yeah, we did several test events from August to December. But December was really when our first like product came out that we were testing with users at one of our local partners, Giddy Goat. Shout out, um, and. You know, we started like testing at different locations and talking to businesses. And as we were talking to businesses, we uncovered that, man, these businesses really want a platform to create these pop-up experiences. And so through testing that for them and, and getting their feedback of what they want, as well as the users, you know, the experience of, you know, trying to, wanting to develop all these features for all these businesses, first of all, is... You know, you got to you got to really choose which ones you want to build. And, with, you know, building our first basic product with our our beta, I learned one, how long it takes to actually build a feature and test it and go through, you know, the, the quality assurance of making sure that it works and staging to production. And but, yeah, we had bugs. We 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 got a ton of feedback from the businesses and the users. And one thing was very evident, the businesses were very intrigued and the users loved what we were offering 
to them, like for connecting to people in real time, like a unique way, uh, kind of like a new standard of human connection of you can walk into a place and know that somebody's safe and how you align with them. And one of our events that we on December 15th, that first like beta event, what I learned is I saw like multiple people connect for the first time. And within 60 seconds, they were talking about brown belts, black belts, combat, combat sports. They got, there was no small talk for several of these conversations. Even the bartender at the Giddy Goat event was talking about, oh my gosh, like I've actually connected with several people. They come up and now I actually know like, and we got into like some deep conversations like really quick within like two minutes, I'm serving their drink. And we had like a great conversation about running and the, the, the training that goes in to become a great runner. And so it was really cool to like get that feedback. And obviously some of the feedback, like I said, was bugs and the performance wasn't there and the, the real time application, you know, wasn't fully flushed out of like checking into the location and exiting the user right away. And so just learning the, the intricacies of tech and, and how one line of code can, you know, break your whole application. So we, we've gone through breaking the app intentionally, accidentally. And so it's been, it's been a storm of learning. No so, doubt. Um, super huge, cool, like rush that you're going through at that moment in time, right? Seeing the, the real time benefit of what you've created. And, and then at the same time, it's like this crushing defeat, like, ah, oh, the bug, the bug, the bug. But knowing that hey if we can eliminate these bugs if we can eliminate some of these hurdles then it's got it's got real opportunity it's got real runway to get out there and impact people as they go out into the world again and, and meet folks at these conferences so it's got to be a really cool feeling right awesome feeling it's 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 been one of the most rewarding challenging journeys uh, all packed into one it's like exhilarating you know i wake up every morning and i'm like ready to go with the team and and but yeah the the challenges are real and you got to keep your habits right you got to keep your you got to keep your cool and you've got to You've got to, you know, continue to figure out how to solve these with the engineers. Like, how do we solve this bug that's, you know, impacting the quality of the product? You know, and the goal was to have launched already. You know, we were we were hoping to have launched in January. That was the that was the intention as of like November 1st is like, holy cow, we can launch in January. But, you know, we're nearly two months behind the launch from learning the intricacies of some of these things, but also changing our product a little bit through the testing and realizing what the businesses were really looking for. And as we started learning more about the business and tailoring the, the product for the business, for our B2B product, it kind of changed our, it changed our launch plan a little bit. And obviously the runway extended a little bit as we like altered a feature for the business. Does your life up to this point in time, like, I mean, you were I'm a college athlete, you're you know, you're a fitness person, right? You're mm -hmm. still very active. You wrote a book on like biohacking and all of these different things. And so does that, does that all help you with the fact that you're behind target, but knowing that you're still on goal, right? Does, you know, do you get yeah. the question? Like, yeah, it's a good like, question. Like you said, Oh, we missed it. But at the same time, it's not that far away. Right. Like yeah. it's like you went for a, I don't know, you went for a deadlift of, you know, 500 pounds and you hit 495, but yeah. <laughs> whatever, you know, you're just on the other side. You're, you're right there on the cusp of it. It's not yeah. like you're stuck at 400 trying to get to 500, yeah. right? Does that help? Oh, I mean, all the experience that I've had in failing through all these new things, whether it was flipping my first house or writing a book and thinking that 
it was going to be a little bit quicker than it was or building the company to um, my first company to a million dollars took uh, three and a half years compared to two years, which was the goal. You know, it's if if this was my first software company, I assure you, we would probably be a little bit further ahead. Yeah. And but learning this and, you know, being a little bit depending on the engineers and and not having, you know, bootstrapping it myself and, and doing it like slow and meticulous compared to like as fast as we can. There was a ton of studying with it. And and so, yes, I want to hit deadlines. It's, it's so important to hit targets like through my sales and revenue career of building companies, like hitting your targets are extremely important. But sometimes things don't always go the way you want them to. And especially in technology, especially when you're in something new and you're all learning how to build something innovative that's hasn't been quite built before, you know, there's, there's, there's been a ton of learning experiences and I know they're only going to continue. Like just a couple of the meetings I have this afternoon, you know, it's, it's, we're going into these meetings, problem solving and hoping to come up with a solution to stay on track for what we're hoping to accomplish. So I think all of that, all the, all the failures that I've had have definitely prepared me to learn how to fail and then just keep going and just keep going and then just get back up the next day and just how do you get closer how do you take action and get closer to accomplishing your goal and stay on track and keep the team on track and so yeah hope, hopefully i answered that yeah properly no it's great i mean i love the failure piece right long long time listeners will know this story i've probably told it too many times on the podcast but i'm gonna tell it again i've got a garage gym in in my house in my garage and in that we've got a whiteboard, we've got like a squat rack and bench and all of these different things set up in there. And the whiteboard is there for tracking our, our benchmarks, right? Mm. It's just some benchmark weights that we do and there's some benchmark workouts that we do so we can tell whether or not we're getting better. We mostly do, right? But we have setbacks and everything else. But at the very top of the whiteboard, I wrote something for my kids probably four or five years ago on it. And it's failure creates strength, right? Mm. So failure is so powerful if you let it, right? Like yeah. you don't get stronger without failing in those in those moments, right? Yeah. And so it's such a, a key component of anything in life is embracing failure. And then how do you grow through that failure on the other side of it? Yeah, it's, it's very similar to, you know, human performance. I mean, it is human performance, really. When you think about like pushing your body, how far you push your body, how far you push your mind, as long as you have the recovery and the, 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 the response time to yourself to heal and grow and assess and then take that information and then use it for the next day or the next activity or the next uh, pursuit. That is the process of growing. Yeah. And so I love that quote. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so anyway, so 2023 was all about bugs, launching, beta, <laughs> growing, testing, failure, more testing, more failure. 2024 is the new year, right? I'm mean, here we are. It's February 23rd. Gosh knows. I can't believe it's almost March. What what's 2024 for Linksy? What's 2024 for Joel? Right? Like what's how are we going to tackle this year? Yeah, we are so focused on our current business partners, customers, our first ones, our first events that we're we're focused on in April and May. You know, we've got our first opportunities with this new product, and you know these businesses are excited, and we're excited to offer it to them. A user acquisition is something we will be extremely focused on in about two weeks as we launch. We have a really good plan. Our team is so dynamic, which I'm so excited about the team that we've built. If there's one thing that I've captured through my years of building companies, it's building a culture and building a dynamic team. And 
going into 2024, I, you know, I, I almost had as much as I started with the business customers, I have to start with the team because piecing this team together almost one month, almost each month, I brought on a new piece to the team. Yeah. And it was a strategic piece, whether it was, you know, in marketing or design or UX or another engineer or, or an entrepreneur, another advisor. And piecing this team together has really generated so much momentum. And now, you know, the collaboration amongst the team to be able to provide the results that we have forecasted for this year. Um, you know, setting that team up and being part of that team is, is so exhilarating. Like, mm -hmm. I love teams. I love building teams. I love leading teams. And this is a unique one because all my past teams, you know, you know, I was building com most, mostly companies that had already existed. And this is kind of like an in one, of my, one of my two innovations besides my book. And my other innovation was pretty much me by myself, as well as I had one a little bit of help from a, a local entrepreneur that is very profound in the Charlotte arena. Um, but besides that, this is like a team and everybody's got their own spice. And, you know, I did seven interviews this week for, you know, we're hiring one or two more people in the coming weeks, strategic pieces. And so user acquisition as we, the focus for 2024 is like launch in two weeks. We launch on March 7th. Uh, we have our first event and we have an event on March 8th. We have an event on March 10th. We have several events scheduled shortly after that. And so the goal is like user success. We want business success. We want to provide our first customers with the, the, the experience that they believe that we can offer and we want to exceed their expectations. And right now we have a ton of interest from users. We're getting users to download and we're not even trying to market yet. And people are already like starting to download this. We're trying to get our product like flushed out because sometimes you only get one chance with people. Yep. And, but the intrigue right now, we even have this like little pop-up test event on Saturday, tomorrow. And, you know, we've got like random, it started with 10 people and we've already got like 25 people coming and people like already downloading the app. And it's a little bit early for user acquisition. We're not even quite ready, but we obviously we've got to be ready by March 7th. And, and, uh, and so now it's like, how do we give the users the experience that they desire? And that's part giving the business. And so it's a little bit of a network effect is giving the business and the individuals the experience that they came to Linksy for. Yeah. And that's something I take a lot of pride in is, is delivering, you know, being authentic to what you say you're, you know, offering and, and giving people a unique experience that they came to Linksy for. So 2024 is all about like delivering and yeah. deliver in full and deliver to the businesses and to the B2B to C aspect of it. Give the user something that um, is sticky and, powerful so that when they do travel and they go to these different events, like networking is no more, you know, like a, a dreaded thing. It's kind of an excited thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to another networking event. And instead of walking into that room of a hundred people and seeing one person, you know, and going to that person and spending half your time with that one person, I'm going to look at Linksy for 10 seconds and be like, I got to talk to that person, that person, that person. And so our, our concept of use technology to lose technology is going to be put to the test in full in 2024. And, yeah. and we're like really excited to, to see how it plays out. And it's looking promising so far. So yeah. we're excited. That's awesome. I love the tagline. So that's awesome. So monetization, right? Every business is in, is in business to make money. They make money by serving their customers well, right? So you want to serve your customers well to make money. But how do you monetize the product? Yeah, it's, a, it's really multifaceted type of model. It's, it's one for the businesses. So we have 
like hotspots or linksy locations that are like a, a, your coffee shop co-working in collaboration, as well as several co-working facilities that we've already talked to that are really intrigued, as well as apartment complexes to, to easier and more fun connect their people at their apartment, apartment complex. And so there are subscription models for each one of those businesses, anywhere between 100 to $500 a month okay. based off the complexity for each business. And and then we have events. And so we, we also hope to facilitate events. We've already we've already been in some white label type conversations like these event softwares that are like running these large events. If you plug our software into it, there could be, you know, some white label revenue that we gain from it for, you know, one to five thousand dollars per event, also potential per user there. But we're really starting with the users on this freemium model. And so the third element is this we get a bunch of users onto the application and for the first time ever. The people that are most excited about our product I haven't even spoke about yet, which are the event host and the event coordinators and the marketers, the people that run, you know, just pop-up events and they create events. The biggest challenge, the number one reason, like if you look at the worst jobs in, in the world or country, like you look at some of these top 10 lists of worst jobs, event host and event coordinator keeps popping up. Well, there's a reason. Connecting people effectively at events is a lot of work. And there's a lot that goes into connecting those people. And so for these event hosts, like pulling all these pieces together is very difficult. And there's, and there's no great solution for these event hosts. And so far from what we've gathered, you know, we've met with probably like 50 different event coordinators and hosts. And a couple of them are like joining our team right now because they want to be part of this innovation, innovative solution that we're offering to their people. And so we have this like custom admin panel that we're building that offers event hosts this unique way to connect their event attendees at their events in a seamless way that they build so they can kind of construct this model within our model and it, it provides a unique way to connect people at these events and so that's a premium feature and so that's like anywhere from a four to an eighteen dollars a month depending on the the the, the features that they want within the custom admin panel and or the premium upgrade and and so we have multiple revenue streams not to like have all these different revenue streams that can come into the company. Um, but the reality of it is, is we're in all these conversations with people and businesses want it. Users even said they would be willing to pay, but we care so much about getting a ton of people on the app, which is really important for our network effect. And so we're giving away the app for free. And then there is this upgrade option for the premium members. And we haven't even talked about the advertising. We have a lot of these businesses already talking about how to advertise within our platform. So if you have this like interactive space that you create for this business, you have this platform to where business can talk to customers and create these unique experiences. Some of which were every business is a little bit different, the experience they want to create. But we don't want to use advertising right away because we know we, we care about the user and we don't want to flood them with advertisements. But the long-term play, there's a huge advertisement play in this to be able to give you know, our, our premium business advertising uh, potential to drive more people to their location. And that's one thing that even Giddy Goat is already see, seeing. If you go to Giddy Goat today, you can see stands on their table. You can download the app and you can connect the people in real time. Like we're already driving people to their location. We've already driven like a hundred people to their location. We only have 400 users. Yeah. You know, people are going there just to test the application and to try this out and to connect to people. So to have the ability to like dictate where traffic goes for the business is a huge power 
for Linksy, but to be able to give the the individuals and their customers a unique experience, I think is really what people are looking for. Yeah. And they're stuck at home working remotely. They're going to Google, like, what activities are in going on in Charlotte today? How do I meet new people? Do I really have to go to a bar and drink alcohol, get some liquid courage to connect? Or is there a better solution? Yeah. And now there is. And so I know that it's a couple different uh, revenue streams, but all of them right now are like intact to capture revenue within the next like three months. Yeah. So, I mean, now, I mean, I would say this, right. We're, we're coming up on the end of time, but as you're sitting there talking about that, like I've, like I've mixed emotions about like, the new Apple vision thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can almost see how well it would interact. Linksy could interact in that space, right? Yeah. Because you talk about the advertising opportunities, also being able to better visualize and see the other users that you've connected with and whatnot. So do you see that as like a, as a positive for Linksy or do you see it as a negative because it's, it's more technology rather than lack of technology? How do you view, because you can probably see the opportunity set with Linksy within Apple Vision, yep. right? Yep. And it's been brought up a couple of times. Yep. And, you know, this week we had a really interesting business use case that, and I'll come back to the glasses here is they're wanting us to, Oh, if you could do this, we would give you 1000 a month. You know, if you could offer this and it was really just pulling users more into the screen and it really went against our core. And, you know, our team got on our products call of the week and we're talking and 30 minutes later, we're still hashing out like, but we can make revenue and this can provide a unique experience. And, and, me and you know two of our leaders in the company are just like no but it goes against our use case and it really like goes against what we're trying to do is we're trying to like foster these meaningful connections and seamless connections and and really you know we're social beings we we want to help people have better social experiences and we don't want to plague them with more technology and so with that product as we we've, we've talked about that it's just like could it potentially integrate at some point or could there could be could there be some synergies there? And yes, but you know, taking humans further into the cyborg lifestyle it isn't necessarily something that drives me. Yeah. It's 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 very fascinating. I do one of my hot takes coming into twenty twenty four is this is the year or this is the decade of transhumanism. Yeah. Like we live in a if if we're in a competitive capitalistic enterprise system and you can level yourself up with a microchip or a Neuralink or a a a jab of some juice that's going to like upgrade you in some way like it's going to get interesting of where where technology and innovation takes us but with all this technology it's clear that you know other things have been severely impacted which is the younger generations are struggling from their social capabilities and interaction and mental health. And and a lot of these are because we're overdoing the technology. And so our biggest mission is how do we help, you know, connect the world and become the largest social club where people can get that, that social being energy that they need. I'm not sure if you've ever studied sociogenomics, but during my journey of going deep into human performance and understanding, you know, some of my chapters were like brain fuel, body fuel, spirit fuel, and social fuel. And as much as people are like, dude, why aren't you teaching like molecular biology or some of these other things? Like I've, I've coached like human performance. What I'm really passionate about is sociogenomics, which is through like the people that you're around. We all know like the five people that you're around are the, the, the you know, 
tells a story of who you are and who you'll become. And, you know, I'm a frequency vibration guy through and through. Like, I think there's a ton of science um, that supports, you know, the people that you surround your wealth, surround yourself with, create a vibration and energy. And there's the epigenome within the body that tied to sociogenomics, if you have good people in your circle and you have these positive social engagements, that it can literally trigger genetic switches and optimize your actual genetic code. And to me, how you instilling those habits and doing all these things, that's why Linksy is like so powerful to me is like, how do we give a product to the world that actually, you know, powers individuals with the social interactions that they desire and, and really fuels not actually to like, do I care to fuel everybody's genetic potential? Not necessarily, but I do, uh, am passionate about fueling their social well-being yeah. and their social connectedness. And especially for the business people that want to like make efficient connections when you finally, you do fly across the country and you go to this event, the worst shame is like not connecting in real time. And so as much as we have a technology to connect humans, we're not trying to plague them further into the technology world. What we're really trying to do is we're really trying to cultivate communities, foster social engagement and, and build connection because as we all know, COVID further divided us and politics divide us and religion divide us. And if we can just like get past those things and like somehow give people this social power, the superpower that they've never had before to connect them more seamlessly and effectively in real time, I think our world will be in a way better place. We can reduce mental illness. We can reduce so many of the things that are maybe plaguing some of our younger people and that are affecting like the event experience for people as well. So if we integrate with the glasses, we'll see where that goes. But our goal is not to advance the use of technology. It's to barely use it to make those connections. Nah, it's a great, it's a great story. I mean, it's a great product. People can download it in Apple Store and Google, or is it Apple only right now? Or how can they get it? Apple and Google. Apple and Google, and then websites linksy dot live. Linksy dot live, and thoroughly enjoyed the conversation today, Joel. Yeah, thank so, you so much. Yeah, linksy L I N X Y, and we look forward to watching you develop it over the course of the year and seeing it at events here in Charlotte over the course of the next twelve months and beyond. So. Thanks so much for your time today, and best of luck. Yeah, William, thanks for having me on. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. William Bissett is the owner of and an investment advisor representative of Portis Wealth Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and the opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding their individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.